good to be here again. We've been, my message entitled this morning is Houses of Glory, and we've been experiencing some of that glory already this morning. But it was Moses, the man of God, that said, show me your glory. He really wanted to see the glory of God. And he had been through a whole lot of things before he said that. He came to a place, he said, Lord, this is just too much. Kill me now and, you know, just get on with it and do it yourself. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to do, do that. And then after a little while, he, he really starts to talk to God and he said, God, I want to see your glory. And God says, I'm not going to show you my glory because you can't see my face. But he says, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'll let all my goodness pass you by. The New Testament declares that the goodness of God was such that when he uh, actually talked to the nation of Israel, his face still shone from that time. That's what it says in Corinthians. It also says in Corinthians that the latter house is going to be more glorious than the former. So we're going to experience even a greater glory than what Moses experienced and I know it seems hard to believe, and yet that's what the Word of God says. Uh, Moses saw the glory of God in, an, in, an, in, a, in, a, in a different kind of a way. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 13 and 14, it says that the glory of God came upon the house and he could not enter into the tabernacle because the glory was so amazing. Later on, we find that the pillar of, of cloud stood by the tabernacle and Moses spoke to God face to face. We have that ability today to do exactly the same. Run into the throne room of grace boldly. That's what the word of God says. So we have this ability to do exactly the same thing, but even in a greater way, I believe. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived upon the face of the earth, he built a house that was in the heart of his father David, but David wasn't allowed to build it because of the blood that he had on his hands, so it was given to his son Solomon to build the house. It was so amazing that nobody could stand when they were all in unity. So there's a few factors involved in this. When they were all in unity and they were all together in one place, the singers and the musicians, the glory of God came down. Nobody could stand. They couldn't even enter into the temple because of the glory of the Lord. Moses made one statement. He says, unless your glory or your presence goes before me, he says, I don't want to go anywhere. Is, is it maybe something that we should be asking God, Lord, I want your presence, your glory to be so evident in my life, and if it's not, I don't really want to go anywhere, I don't really want to talk to anybody. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to 8a, and then also 12 to 14. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger. 
For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house, as it was known in that day in the Old Testament. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as the person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as a son, is in charge of God's entire house worldwide. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Not in what we're able to do, just confidence in him and faithful to the end. That is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebuilt and tested me. Verse 12, be careful, my dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil or unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That's an amazing promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promises in your word. We thank you for all the examples, Lord, that we find in the, in the life of Moses and Solomon and David and, and Abraham, all those giants, Lord, that we see in the Old Testament. And yet you say that those that are born again are greater than the prophet John the Baptist, who Jesus considered to be the greatest of them all. So, Father, I pray may we get a proper understanding as to what you want to do, both in our singular lives, but also in the corporate life of this church. And, Father, as, we, as I bring the word this morning, be with me as I bring it. Be with every hearer, Father, as they hear it. Lord, that it's uh, going to profit uh, uh, them as they hear it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And I start off, be builders of the house of God for his glory. That is, needs to be our motivation. We are, I believe, a robust, healthy, fruitful church, and all the biblical principles of both natural and spiritual growth need to be implemented on a continual basis, so there is nothing lacking in the Lord's house within our local community. In other words, when people come into our church, they will find the answers that they are looking for, if they're looking. We must never arrive at the attitude, the Lord's house is good enough. Oh, she'll be right. That's a terrible attitude to have in the Lord's house. There is always room for improvement and improvisation. The church of Jesus Christ doesn't run on customs or habits, although you might be surprised how many habits we have. Even in a, what's the name, in a fairly new church like ours is, there is, it's amazing how many habits there really are. The house God builds is where people are equipped and leaders are grown and multiplied. That's a continual basis. And that doesn't just depend on Adrian and Adrian and myself. That depends on every person here. All of you have responsibility somewhere. Come on, can I hear an amen? You have responsibility somewhere. 
It might be small, it might be large, but you have responsibility. New local churches should be established to hear the voice of God speak through the Holy Spirit as he works with the word, and he always works with his word, this word. To function and grow maturity in the ministry our Lord Jesus Christ intended, we need to constantly and purposefully be a bright shining light in our local community. We need to be that. Wherever the people of God do life together, doing the Father's work as Jesus did, and for his fire that draws moths to a flame. You know, that's what John Wesley, his mother said, John, why do all these people come out and listen to you? He says, I just go out there and I burn for Jesus and they come and watch me burn. That's what he said. He was so full of life of, of Jesus that people just came to hear him. We need to be like that as well. To establish a life-transforming, glorious house as Moses and Jesus did, full and faithful in obedience to God. Today, there don't seem to be a lot of starters that say, well, I'll put up my hand for leadership, or even in the musicians. We saw three musicians here this morning. Is that all there is in the house? That's a question that I have. Maybe there's a lot more than what I know about. Well, why not put up your hand and say, I'd like to come. I'd like to be involved. You're going to be most welcome, I can guarantee you. So God's, you know, our hearts need to be so captivated by God's heart and his glory. Our hearts need to be captivated if we're going to walk in this area. His glorious purpose on earth right here in our everyday life, establishing and building a multi-generational longevity kind of a church from the womb to the tomb, so to speak. The sheepfold being helped to come to maturity and produce new lambs for the house of God. This is something that we need to be involved in, all of us, all the time. The three basics, you know, a lot of people say, well, what kind of a degree have you got? Well, I've got a BA, I've got a BW, I've got a BHS, and I've got a DD. And you go, Doctor of Divinity? No, Divine Deliverance I've had. So that's mine. BA is my born-again experience. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's all kinds of things that I've had, and they are the things that have established me in the things of God and having an amazing love for the Word of God. That's been, you know, and walking in the fear of the Lord. It, these are all the things that have established me in my Christian walk over the years. Straight from being a fisherman for 20 years, straight into the ministry. That is a, a shift. It's a momentous shift. I had real difficulty with that and I would sit in the office and talk to people and finally I'd get so sick of it, I'd jump on the back home and I'd say, I'm going to do some real work now. Because that's what I'd been used to all my life, working with my hands and then God calls you out of one thing and he puts you into something else and, oh, I felt a little bit like Zachary this morning, you know, like, what's next, you know, and who can I give this microphone to? Now people want to take the microphone off me, not give it to me. What does the Bible say? The mystery of faith has been revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on. 
if that is really the case, and it should be the case, then people will want to be around you because you've got something to give. You've got something that you are really excited about, and it's Jesus Christ who died for your sins on the cross at Calvary and, you know, bridged the chasm that you could never ever bridge. And some people say, well, it's all right for you. You missed it by a mile. Well, I said, you missed it by an inch and you still go splat at the bottom. Doesn't make any difference because none of us are able to bridge the chasm. Only Jesus Christ can do it for us. So then we get saved, we need to be Holy Spirit filled, we need to be Holy Spirit led, teaching others to hear from the Holy Anointed One what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church in every situation. What does the Bible say? What is the Bible? Where can we go back to? Proverbs is so filled with wisdom. Everybody should read that on a regular basis. If you read no other book, read that book, and that will determine whether or not you're going to start reading other books as well. Because in that, you will find so much of jewels and gold and all kinds of things. You'll say, I've got to read the rest of the book as well. Listen to Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command, when he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. This is the Jesus that died for you and me. Come on, that's worth a little amen or a hallelujah at least. Be a little bit Pentecostal, please. You know, as you talk more, I'll be get better. Learn to discern the times and seasons in God, making wise and sound decisions, judgments, calls, all those things. Share the ministry load with those God brings around you. Come on. This is something that all of us can be involved in to one degree or another. Doesn't matter what age you are. You can be young, you can be old, you can be in between. God this is, listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. I will make you become fishers of men. It was a process. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to go from here to there. If you had to come into our church 37 years ago, when Susie and me met for the first Sunday, you would have said, who is he and why is he leading? What, what does he know? You know, like, he's never been to university. He's never done five years of Bible college. What gives him the right to do what he's doing? Because God called me. And, you know, would you sell everything that you had and sow it into God's kingdom if it wasn't God's telling you? Not on your nelly. You know, you would never do something like that. But if God calls you, something happens. Something changes in your lives. Like, we've been teaching people over a lot of years now how to give, and, and you can do that in a natural way. Uh, 
I think what's name Adrian's a good example. Uh, Pastor Adrian, that is, right here. He's on holidays, so don't talk to him too much, except to say hello. <laughs> he would never, ever get the opportunity to pull the wallet out of his pocket to have a coffee. Is that right? It's changing now. He's learned. I would always pay. There's a principle in that. Give and it will be given unto you. You don't do it for that reason. As it is with God, so you do it with other people. You just do some things. I've taken people to Africa. I've taken people to Malaysia. I've taken people to the Philippines. And in the process, you are making them become somebody that God intended them to become in the first place. But unless somebody is doing that with you and for you, it's not going to happen. Is that right? It's just not going to happen because God has called you for a reason, a good reason. All about our relationship with God. The vine, the branches, the vine dresser. The branches supply the lifeblood from the root to the fruit, the sap of the vine, and the branches is... Equation, Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches that apart from his abiding presence in our lives, we will be fruitless. Not fruit loops, fruitless. And that's a, bit, a little bit like a fruit loop. You know, so God really wants to do things in us and through us so that we will become fruitful for his honor and his glory. This brings great glory to my Father. This is what Jesus said. Having God's abiding presence remaining in our lives should make us the most humble and the most productive people on the face of the earth. If you're employed as a Christian by a non-Christian company, they should fire you the very last that they ever fire you. They should hold on to you. They said, that guy or that girl, she brings blessing to my firm. She brings uh, something to my firm that I haven't had anybody else bring. That's what we should be as a bright shining light going into a place. I've heard the contrary many times, and that's bad. That's, that's a reflection on Jesus Christ. It really is. So we are appointed by Jesus to bear fruit that remains, and God receives great glory as we abide in his presence by walking in step intentionally, I'm going to do this. This is what God is requiring of me. You know, unless you intentionally do it, it's not going to happen. That's just the way it is, being led by the Holy Spirit. We are the people who gather motivated by the love and for God. Love is about relationship with God and mankind, both the vertical and the horizontal. Other things may well motivate, motivate and gratify us as human beings, but love is the only motivation that births forth good fruit that brings glory to God. It's got to be based on love. Without love, we are what? Nothing, it says in 1 Corinthians. So you can give your body to be burnt, it says, but if you haven't got love, it means nothing. And you say, but God, they gave their life. Burnt at a stake. No love means nothing. 
Paul said he had a daily deep concern for all the churches, a concern for their state and a heart for fathering sons and daughters in the faith. He did that with Timothy. He did that with Titus. He did that with quite a few others as well. Working with Jesus to be making disciples, God works, anoints, and causes fruitfulness as we relate lovingly and kindly, serve people supportively. My brother and my father and myself, we started a bakery in Kingston called Kingston Bakery. And dad was our uh, mentor. And dad would say, the customer is always right. And I would say, but. No but, son. The customer is always right. I think we can learn something from that as we go into the world and we start talking to people that we should listen to what they have to say, we haven't got all the answers. Would that be right? We've got godly answers when they start to ask questions, but in the meantime, we should also listen to what they have to say. I, I, I worked out that whole area. He mentored me in many ways. I would sweep the floor of the bakery and he would sweep the floor behind me. That used to get me so mad. You have no idea. And I'd say to him, you want to sweep the floor? Don't ask me to do it. Sweep it yourself. He wouldn't say a word. He just keeps sweeping the floor behind you. That went on for a long time until one day he stopped. And I said, what's happened to you? Did you lose your broom? And he goes, no, you're sweeping it properly now. Lesson learned. You go to a customer and you've got bread, you've got cross buns, you've got pastry, you've got all kinds of biscuits in your basket. You knock at the door and they like some biscuits and they say, that packet, I like those biscuits, but they look like they've been thrown around quite a bit. Have you got any others in your car? My word, we have. You'd walk down to the car and you give them a packet that was packed on the same day hadn't been thrown around, just like the one in the basket hadn't been thrown around, and they would say, that one looks so nice, thank you. The customer's always right. God is always right. And because he's always right, and he tells us to do certain things, if we've got any brains at all, we will do what he's asking us to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it, make, it makes really good sense to me. Okay. That was for somebody here. Releasing and building team ministry, and that needs to be happening in our church as well. When Christ ascended, he gave gifts to mankind. The Father and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit from on high. He gave a measure of grace, gifting, and he... In the Ephesians chapter, he talks about the five gifts that he gives, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and the evangelist for the blessing of the body of Christ. That's, that's, that's what they are to be. These are to function as a part of a team leaders in the church with a mixture of some of these five various functions and other giftings. All good and perfect gifts come from above. 
It's not because your mother and father were so smart and now you've become smart. It comes from God. I've got seven brothers and sisters. Dad was an entrepreneur and I was the only one that became an entrepreneur with him. What happened to the other seven? They got other stuff that God wanted them to have. So don't look at other people and say, well, I haven't got what he or she has got, therefore I'm not happy. Get happy in functioning what God has called you to function in and in the gifting that he's given you. You know the, the, the sweeper that, that cleans the foyer area is just as important as the preacher that preaches the word from here? Just different, that's all. Just different. And every gift that God gives us, if we use it for the glory of God, he's going to be pleased with us. And other people will be pleased with you too. Either a good preacher or a good sweeper or a good toilet cleaner. Have you ever been to a dirty toilet where you've got to take a big breath and you, <clears throat> and you hold it for as long as you can and then race out and breathe again because it smells so bad? I've been in toilets like that and it's not much fun. If you're cleaning toilets, do it for the glory of God and sweep floors and preach whatever. Leadership of life transforming houses of God will believe God for both natural skills and integrity of heart and discern spiritual needs within the house. Come on. We want to see what we saw this morning was a little bit of what God wants to show us in glory. I think the time will come when we will fall flat on our faces like they did in the Old Testament and not one of us will be able to stand where people will come in in a wheelchair and they'll go out and leave the wheelchair behind. I, I believe this with all my heart. Why? Because the Bible tells it. And if he can save me, then he can heal me. What does he say? And I will glorify the house of my God, Isaiah 60. They will honour the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has filled you with splendour because he has glorified you. It says in the New King James Version. God wants to glorify you and you and you. He does. God's promise is that the latter house the latter days of his house, with his successor to when Jesus came, shall be greater, more glorious than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And Paul agrees with that in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3 to 18, that the house that we are part of now is going to be more glorious than the house of Moses and the temple of Solomon. And when you see how much gold and silver and everything that went into it, you say, boy, it's got to get pretty good. Well, it is going to get pretty good. Do you know that you and I are God's house today? We are God's house individually. We are also God's house corporately. And God wants to bring glory to the corporate house beyond what he bought in the Old Testament. We're not there yet, 
but I'm looking forward to that day. I hope I see it before I see the uptaker or the undertaker, whichever. The uptaker, preferably. Paul states that God changes or transforms us by the Holy Spirit from one degree of glory to another. So we are already in a glorious place, and from that place of glory, he's going to take us and with a greater degree every, every day, every week, every month, every year, and what you will be in 10 years' time, people say, I'd never have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Let us believe God. As long as we believe God and put our trust in him, yield to him, he will be working in you. I'll say that again. Let us believe God. As long as we believe God, put our trust in him, yield to him, he will be working in you to take you from one degree of glory to another. Bringing about the things we felt were impossible we were so flawed in our personality and character, Satan knew our weaknesses and he would just throw darts at that area of weakness all the time. Made sure we felt guilty and ashamed. You have no idea how many times I wanted to resign from my role as the pastor of the church. Because of my background, all the things that I'd done, and I would say to the other elders, you could take the church. And they said, uh, did God call you? And I'd say, yeah. And I'd say, well, he didn't call us. We're right behind you. And that's how it happened all the time. We are partakers in God's glorious house and have a job to do. Now, release faithful, available, teachable people. Give them opportunities to serve Others have become great in the kingdom of God. People need to know that they are worth something and that God wants to use them. Give recognition to people, gifting, so to healthy relationship, prayerfully giving responsibility with guidance and support as needed. This doesn't just belong to the leadership of the church. This belongs to everybody because everybody has some area of Authority. Correct? We have. So we can do something in those areas. We entrust people with more as capacity grows and see their skills develop. Work and pray. Oh boy. A lot of people say, well, I'm just praying. No, no, work and pray. Well, I'm just working. No, no, work and pray. We need to do both. God expects every member of the body to participate in building up his glorious house supporting alongside the leadership team. Your purpose is to equip and encourage those who have a willing heart. The moment they've got a willing heart, get into it. And those with a mind to work, that's what Nehemiah said, we had a mind to work and they built a whole wall around the city in 55 days. And they weren't even bricklayers, but they had a mind to work. And they had lots of opposition in the process as well. 
Ask people who serve in areas for their report back to evaluate progress. Take some risks in order to train up bench strength and the generations walking beside them and coming behind you. Nobody is too young. Nobody is too young to lead, not just serve, to lead as well. We have this idea, once you grow up, then you can serve. What a load of bunkum that is. God has given them abilities to lead from a very early age that doesn't all of a sudden spring into life at age 18 or 20. It's already been there for lots of years and we need to make use of it. I've seen a little boy in Africa lead a church of a thousand people and he was nine years old with an imaginary guitar. He was strumming the thing but it wasn't a guitar there. And he was leading a thousand people. And this is how he did it. For the Lord is good. And a thousand people say, for the Lord is good. And every sentence that he sang, the whole church sang with him. It was, an, it was a glorious time. What makes us think it's not possible? We get stymied up here by our stinking thinking, which is not God's kind of thinking. We need to get into his kind of thinking. He picked Samuel when he was a little boy. A little boy to work alongside Eli in the house of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord wasn't heard very often at that stage until Samuel came in and the voice of the Lord came back to the, tab to, to the temple, the tabernacle, whichever one it was. It was one of the two. And the voice of the Lord came to be heard again. And the Bible said, not one word that he said fell to the ground. In other words, everything that he said was established as a little boy. Adrian, I started late. That's why I'm going a little bit later. With God and with man, both vertical and horizontal. Relationships are rich and glorious because of the cross of Christ. That's the reason why. Pastor Reinhard Bonnke said, Jesus took my minus and turned it into a plus when the vertical came across his minus. That was the cross. And what's Jesus and John's pattern for relationship? I'm going to read it in one, in one line. Liz, can you come up to the keyboard, please? In one verse, that's all I'm going to read. Verse 23 of John 17. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world, listen, that the world may know that you have sent me, Jesus. That the world may know that you have sent me because of the love that they have for one another. And I've said that before and I'll say it again for the sake of repetition. That means if there's other churches, whether they be Catholic, whether they be other Pentecostal churches, uh, Episcopalian churches or Church of England, we are to love them 
and it's got to be seen by other people that we love each other. We don't have to agree with all their doctrines. The reason why we are what we are is because we believe what we believe from God's Word. It's called the full gospel. But if we don't love them, the world will never know that God the Father sent His Son. How important is that for goodness sake? Instead of really, you know, hammering, going hammering tongs, oh, well, that church is no good, that church is no good. Hey, you're talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ when you say that. Jesus loves that church and we'd better love that church as well. Because if we don't love it, the world will say, ah, what are they talking about God and the Son for? But when they see the love that we have for each other, then they will know that God the Father sent His Son into the world to die for the sins of mankind because of the love that we have for one another. And then he goes on to say, and have loved them as you have loved me. Amen. Can we just stand? I'd like to finish in prayer. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you are making us houses of glory, both individually and corporately as well. But Father, undergirding it all, Father, I pray, Lord, that the love of God may be so strong in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds and in our motivation. Lord, in everything that we say, in everything that we do, Father, let the love of God have preeminence. And Father, may we be willing to say, I love them, I care for them, I pray for them. And even if the world says, but you don't even go to their church, it doesn't make any difference. We pray for them. For God is busy in that place as He is in this place. Taking sons and daughter, daughters and bringing them from glory to glory. And Father, I pray, Lord, that this house is a house that's going to become even more glorious of the work that you are doing and the motivation of the people's hearts in this place that they would love one another, care for one another, love people in other places, love people in the world that don't know Jesus yet. And by their very lifestyle, they'll see the difference. Father, help us to do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. And let us be intentional about doing it, for we ask it in Jesus' name. All the God's people said amen. Amen. amen.